This is the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Ever wish you could re-listen to your favorite interview or segment? Do you enjoy hearing older shows for the first time in years? Then the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less is just what you need. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. I am your host, John Solberg, and today I get to take you back to September the 3rd of 2013. It is a doubleheader. I think one of the most interesting live fire cooks on the planet, both segments with Adam Perry Lang. Adam is in talking about steak searing, talking about beef ribs, talking about fire, talking about is it barbecue, is it grilling. I love Adam's uh, take on everything. I hope you do as well. Without further ado, let's get right to it. Here is Greg's conversation, again, from September the 3rd, 2013, Adam Perry Lang. First time that I ever saw you was, and I mean, I'd heard about you for years, but I first saw you on uh, an episode of Jimmy Kimmel, and you were out like in a crowd, maybe he wasn't even in California, but Artie Lang was a guest, and you were cooking on this huge ranch kettle. And you gave Artie this oh, yeah, huge beef thing. rib. I mean, it looked like one of the best beef ribs I've ever seen in my life. Is that like the first yeah, big was, TV hit that you had, or, or were you doing it you know, well before that? Um, I've, I've done a lot of great uh, TV shows. I was on Oprah, lots of different national shows. Um, that, you know, I love Jimmy. such become such a dear friend of mine. And for me, you know, just to do a show, he's just such a barbecue lover in general and it's always fun to do that because it's, it's great as you know when you you know you're you're into it you're accomplished chef yourself you know cooking um aficionado and you know cooking for people that really appreciate it there's nothing better than that but i mean for me beef ribs in general i know people can say this out of the other because the price is so prohibitive but to me for barbecue and cooking in this fashion there's no better expression of beef than plate, short rib, beef rib, period. Um, people can say, oh, I like brisket, that, but I got to tell you what, you know, if you have no, um, if you have no, nothing to be concerned about in terms of budget or price, that is hands down the best piece of beef. You got the bone for protection. It's got the right balance of collagen, fat, the type of uh, um, meat, it, 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 the protein structure, it gets a concentration of beef flavor like none other. It's the ultimate. It's the ult- It's even throughout. You don't have a cross-section of two different muscles on it. It's the best. My my brother calls it the uh, steak on a stick. I mean, it's absolutely the most it, yeah. favorite thing that he likes when I'm doing uh, beef ribs on the on the cooker, for sure. It's, it's the best. You can do a quick cook. You can... You can cook it just to the point where before it's falling apart, you can slice it like it's steak. You can cook it like I cook it for, let's say, six hours. I don't cook it to a temperature. I cook it to a sound. So when I'm cooking in my pit, it has to be like a, a steady, real lazy kind of, you know, sizzle like that. And, you know, we we do have a thermometer gauge on the pit on the upper right-hand corner. It reads basically 175, <clears throat> but because um, we have shelves with no, nothing type of def- no type of deflector between it, we're just really cooking for a sound, and we bounce it up and down the different wow. shelves. We cook in stages as opposed to doing the whole load at once. So start the coals, let's say, 2 in the morning. Then put the first load. We start the charcoal 2 in the morning. We start putting the first load at 5 o'clock. 
then the next one at six o'clock, seven o'clock, and uh, it ju- it's just perfect. So kind of transitioning just a little bit, obviously another big portion of you know what makes you you is the whole book writing process. And of course, a lot of people are very familiar with the serious barbecue, but just you know book writing in general for you. What kind of a process is that? Is it easy? Does it kind of a, an ebb and flow with each effort that you're putting out? How do you find that whole book writing process? Well, I, I love it. Um, I I love writing books, but it, to me, it's not really so much uh, of like, oh, I'm going to write a recipe. Basically, when you're just cooking thousands of steaks and you're sitting there in a restaurant and you just there with the fire, things are happening. And you, you just start noticing different hand movements and what are you doing? And because oftentimes you have lots of time constraints or not, you know, you, you kind of create this kind of system to get what you want out of, let's say, the meat or whatever you're cooking. And so, uh, like, um, uh, Charter Scruff, which was uh, my third book that I wrote, um, that was really a two-week kind of just study of the things that I've just got into and doing. You know, like, uh, you know, of course, everybody... Not everybody. Lots of people heard about cooking in the, the charcoal, but I've never really read about anything about it. And I started just experimenting on it and failing at it, and then succeeding at it, and just trying to understand why and what happens. And so, for me, writing a book is really just getting with someone that's standing next to me because I hate measuring stuff, and just like while I'm doing it, like, oh, why are you doing that? What's you know, what's going on with this? And and so it's really you know, you evolve when you're cooking, you know, after you're doing it, you might get bored, or you might become fixated on something. So for me, it's, it's all process and it's a moment in time. So, I mean, like that book is really a distillation of two weeks of cooking. Um, and then you obviously it takes you a year to write it, but because you have to be so exacting and that to me is really boring and tedious, but, um, it's important though for it to be boring and tedious because it forces you to really ask those questions. Why? Or how would the, the amateur, um, cook or novice start to do or how an expert perceive it. So it's really just an evolution, you know, of, of, you know, why you're doing the things and it gives you answers in that itself. We're talking with Adam Perry Lang. Uh, you can visit his website, adamperrylang.com here while we're chatting. You know, we barely touched on it a couple minutes ago, but why not? Let's uh, just jump into this a little bit. You know, how do you differentiate or do you differentiate or how do you categorize the words barbecue and then grilling? Would you say that barbecue is an all-encompassing term in which grilling falls under? Are they just two completely different things? What's your take on it? You know, I think that, honestly, I think we're past it, the difference between barbecue and grilling. And look, you know, it's a sensitive subject because, you know, you're dealing with a lot of, a lot of nostalgia with people. Um, to me, it's just all live fire cooking. So sometimes I'm direct grilling, but it's, it's, it's at such a distance from the coals that, you know, the flames might just tickle or just kind of, it's still direct cooking, but it's indirect. So are you grilling? Are you not, you know, um, people associate with the temperature they talk about low and slow, but I think it's a whole lot more and it's very hard to classify. We can turn around and we can, we can say, Oh, barbecue, it's not real. Um, unless it's low and slow or it's Southern style, but you know, I grew up in the, in the Northeast. And when we say we're going to have a barbecue, I mean, that was really grilling. So what exactly does the word mean? It means a lot of different things to a lot of different folks. So, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a lot looser with it. I don't really try, you know, if you have a personal connection or you have, you know, something like deeply embedded as it, you know, 
it's highly nostalgic. I can't compete with that, nor do I want to. I mean, if you own that word like that, go ahead and own it. It makes you happy. But it means so many different things to different people. I just really look at it as a live fire cooker. Sometimes when I'm cooking over coals or or, bar, or or just grilling over fire, I'm not even using the fire. I'm using, like, the heat from the side of the barbecue as as cooking the side of the piece of meat. Or I could be resting on top of the barbecue and letting it rest but carry over. So, I mean, it, and it's not just about the fire. But, it you know, you have all these different tools around you, and it's not just about fire, heat. It's, it could be a lot of different things. So let's just... Stop being snobs about these whole terms. That's basically what we're saying. I guess so. I mean, you know, I, it, you know, you can call it snobby about it or not, but I'm sensitive to it. If someone feels strongly about it, I, I'm not judgmental about it. But for me, it's kind of evolved into a lot of different things. I met so many different people. They've used the terms in so many different ways that I kind of rise above it. And I'm just like, look, you know, I personally, I like cooking with fire. Natural forms of cooking does it for me. But also, if people say, what type of grill should I get? I don't really say, oh, you have to get wood or fire. I just said, well, what are you going to cook on the most? What right. do you have access to? You know, if you have a terrace in the city, all you can do is electric. <laughs> say, fine, you know, get outside and cook. I think, you know, you're missing out a little bit. But I figure, like, that will evolve and that will come. I don't want it to be an absolute for people because I think just the whole thing of community and bringing people together and cooking outdoors and having that freedom of it, I think that's really liberating to do stuff. So I'm really not judgmental on it. You know, I have no problem with gas grills. I think they're really great and they serve a purpose. Um, and if it's getting you outdoors, that's great. But what really drives me, drives me and gets me crazy is cooking with fire. To put in your request for a future show, please contact John Solberg via email at john, J-O-N, at the bbqcentralshow.com. Oiling grates. So I guess my question is this. Does oiling grates really help? And, you know, isn't oiling or isn't the oil from the food enough? You know, when you oil a grate, it smokes right away. And to me, and I'm no chef, um, doesn't that mean it might be like cracking or that everything it's hoping to do is just kind of literally going up in smoke. When it comes to steak, I never oil my grill. And oftentimes, I don't even oil the steak. I put it in, and I don't mind if it tears a little bit. Because specifically, like when you have a thicker steak, too, I like all the fissures and all the tearing a little bit, particularly in the beginning, because it creates more surface area for browning. Again, it's the key to great steak is that browning. And, you know, I'm really, like, if I have grill marks, it's because they just happen. But I'm really not into grill marks. I want like grill marks up and down. Like I wouldn't call them grill marks, but I want the whole steak to be brown. I mean, because that's all the flavor. I mean, the flashiness of like a grill mark to me, that's only like lines of flavor. Okay. And it's just a gesture. To me, I want it like torn a little bit and the whole thing to be brown, like almost like 3D. Like, so it's, it's like nooks, crevices, like the surface of the moon. You know, because that's where all, that's where the flavor comes. If you were just to take really just a cube of meat, like like plain, it's almost sterile in a way. I mean, you can pick up little nuances of slight flavor, but you don't get the flavor that you would. That's why you know, ten out of ten times, someone has a steak, they would rather it not be boiled, and they'd rather it like charred and grilled, right? And and I want to maximize that. That's what brings out the beauty of a steak, and and beef in general. There's a, a common... Otherwise, it's just textural. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a common thought 
that searing seals in the juices of the steak. Are you a subscriber to that at all, or is that just uh, BS? Well, it's been it's been it's been proven that it's not the case. I mean, we've done tests that tests that's not the case. Um, and the concept of searing, I mean, the only time you can ever sear something is with actually live flesh and where quarterization take place. But when something's dead, you know, when something's um, just sitting there, it's not going to sear. You're not going to sear in any juices. But like I said, it, it turns back to this juiciness effect when you get that crust. It gives you a greater perceived juiciness because you're actually producing saliva more. But we've done so many tests with it. Um, so many gr- other great chefs have done it where they waited before and after and done all these things, and it really is it's not true at all. There's no such thing as hearing. So I saw a video that you did, and I don't know how recent it was, but uh, it was one that I saw maybe two or three weeks ago. And the term that stuck with me while I was watching this was momentum. And for the people right. that don't know or that haven't seen it, I think it's very important that you maybe explain a little bit about you know how you need to factor this into the cook because it really kind of changed the way I looked at grilling steaks you know from what I did three weeks ago and for years before that to what I'm doing now. You know, like there's this concept of momentum, like it's like the same thing of like a cast iron pan, like it takes a long time to heat up, but once it gets going, you know, it holds there and it kind of keeps going like a freight train, okay? So you want to build up some heat momentum so it's traveling towards the center of the steak or the roast. If you're going too slow, it just it just goes, you, you just kind of waste it on the outside. You end up being a little bit too raw inside. So you use whatever you can. Like if, for example... Let's say you have a grill, you're grilling like five or six steaks at once, and you know, you just literally have an inferno, and there's nowhere to go. You know, people talk about how artful it could be. We have a two zone fire. Well, quite frankly, sometimes it doesn't work out to your benefit. Sometimes all you have is a one zone fire, you've got nowhere to hide. So, what I end up doing is, is like, like I'll start grilling the steaks and starting, then I start stacking them, and I keep rotating the bottom one on the top. And I keep like flipping and moving the steaks. So as a result, like sometimes some of the steaks will get the brunt of it on the bottom. But as soon as I feel like it's getting too much, I throw it on top of the others. So you can just do this like whole rotation, this whole dance of like cooking the meat on the on the fire over the grill. And it could be literally in, in, engulfed in fire. And you can come out with steaks that are not charred or burned if you do this technique. And I've... I'm totally relaxed cooking around fire like that because, you know, you just kind of work with it as opposed to, like, fear it. How long does that take for the normal griller to get over? Because i got to imagine, you know, for people or, or fans of this show, we might be a little bit more into this subculture than the normal person. And they see a live fire, they see, well, they see charcoal fire, and then they see an actual flame come up. They're kind of pooping in their pants. Um, how long do you think it really takes for them to, to kind of get over that fact? Is it five times? Is it 10 times? Can you not put a number on it? Well, I think, you know, there's a difference of like being face to face with the fire. And there's a difference with the fire when you walk away to get a beer inside the fridge and you come back (laughs) because those are two different things. I mean, you can work with a fire that you're tending, but if you, you can't work with a fire that you ignore because it will eat you. So I think there's a big difference. And I think the comfort First of all, you have to you have to make a commitment. You have to be ready and you have to be prepared to sit by the grill and like work with whatever you're doing because it will know. It does know when when you're when you're not paying attention. 
And that's where most stuff is ruined because direct fire with no response and no movement will engulf something. But if you move it around, it won't have time. So that's why I'm, I'm what's called an active griller. Um, I coined the term saying like I constantly flip. I develop the thrust. As I'm flipping, I'm cooling down with a basting brush. Let's say a cooler fat. And I'm actually, I encourage a lot of the flame a lot of times. So a lot of people say, oh, flip. You know, to me, like also a funny thing is literally taking a squirt bottle to put out, a, you know, a grease fire. You know, like you can't take water to put out a grease fire. So what do you, you know, like a lot of flare-ups that happens from the grease, so it never made sense to me. So instead of just trying to get a squirt bottle, I just embraced it and I just worked with it. Adam Perry Lang joining me here on the show. You know, the other thing that I saw in a couple of videos is the fact that you're really big, aside from the basting, you know, with the, I think it's a time brush that you kind of stir up against a wooden spoon is you're really big on re-seasoning during the whole cooking process. Oh, absolutely. Particularly, you can't really do it so much in a pan, but you have to do it on the grill because the grill in itself is always pulling off the surface seasoning. It's not always, but a good clip of it does pull off. It does does come off because there's a lot of abrasion. There's a lot of movement. So you have to constantly reapply seasoning. Also, if you're just using things past salt, um, a lot of these flavors change as they become progressively cooked. So you want like a base flavor and then you want brighter flavors and then you want the finish, which is the ultimate, which is the brightest and almost raw sometimes. That's what you, let's say, like with a rub, for example. Sometimes, you know, as you know, you pull out a brisket or whatever you're cooking and it's black, but it's seasoned beautifully. I like to add seasoning or rub throughout the process two to three times and that's building flavor and just kind of like reinforcing what's there already with accent. So once you get the steak done to the, the temperature you're getting ready to pull it off at or to whatever your liking is or maybe a minute or two before that, all of a sudden I see Adam Perry Lang head off to this cutting board. He's got olive oil going down. He's microplaning garlic and some other seasonings. And you do this uh, board dressing. And it kind of incorporates yeah. the steak juice with what you've put down there. I mean, where did this kind of develop? Just something you just tried out or just happened one day and you're like, wait a second, that was something I really want to build on. Well, you know, and some, sometimes these things happen by accident. But I'll tell you, forget all the fanciness of like grading stuff in and doing all that stuff. But if you just to do one thing is that is to halt the cooking on that crust with some type of oil based. I don't care if it's butter it's it's vegetable oil, it's um, olive oil, whatever it is, you take that fat and you seize the cooking on the surface of the crust, okay? Your barbecue grilling, whatever you're going to do is going to improve for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's going to stop the cooking and dry out, and it's also going to lay down any moisture. And the moisture is not just moisture, it's collagen escaping. It's all these different things, it's fat, it's collagen and what happens is, is that the fat actually traps it and lays it down, okay? And it will hold on to the temperature also. So it slows down the temperature, but also holds the temperature. So the best example I can tell you is like if you ever burnt yourself with like water or oil, you know, you can just brush off the water, but then you really have to brush off the oil yeah. off your hand, you know, because it's holding and it's sticking to you. So it's really helpful if you're cooking like a, a, a dinner group and, you know, the oil is going to hold on to the temperature, okay? And then the other thing it does is, like, I hate the juices that run off on a board, and they get just cold, and it just changes color, and it's just nasty. You know, it's nasty. <laughs> yeah. But if you suspend it in the oil, it actually becomes almost like a broken vinaigrette. 
you know, it actually suspends all the flavor. And so you can actually use that. And then I, I tend to like constantly build on flavor when I put like lemon zest into it, pinch lemon juice into it, or I can take a little bit of uh, a vinegar or whatever it is. It just makes it, uh, it suspends it all and it carries flavor. And that's why a lot of people like prime meat because the fat equals flavor, but it not only just equals flavor, but it carries the flavor on your tongue. Because if you just, if you drink something, it's gone. But if you eat something with fat, it stays with you. Okay. It stays on your palate. So that's why I like using this local wood dressing for several reasons. And there it is, Adam Perry Lang from September the 3rd, 2013. You want to hear the rest of this entire show, head over to thebbqcentralshow.com. There is a link to this show in the show notes. Also, there's an archive tab there. You can search whatever you would like. Find out something you want to hear a show about. Get a hold of me. As the big man said in the middle, John, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com. While you are over at the BBQ Central Show homepage, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Subscribe to the show via podcast. Never miss an episode of the Barbecue Central Show or this show again. Until next time, I'm your host, John Solberg. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.